Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Apparently, Joe Biden made a surprise trip to Kiev over in Ukraine, I guess, within the last 24 hours. Well, World War III is not going to start itself. And at the same time, Kiev's security chief, according to the Daily Mail, has made the statement that Ukraine's tanks will, quote, be parked on Moscow's Red Square, and that will be justice, unquote, ahead of the first anniversary of Putin's invasion. Wait, who said that? Ukraine's security chief. Okay. I thought you said Biden said that. Sorry. Also, less being talked about right now, today, also, in addition to Biden visiting Ukraine, someone from the Chinese government is, in fact, visiting Russia. Okay. Well, they are working together on a lot of things. It doesn't surprise me either. And there are rumors of China considering arming Russia. Of course, I mean, no one is arming Russia, but everyone is arming Ukraine. It seems to me like it's not really fair. I don't want World War III either, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's evil for China to arm Russia in any more evil than it is for China to arm Russia than it is for the United States to arm Ukraine. Now... We know what's happened so far, at least allegedly, in this conflict, and that is to say about a year ago, roughly, uh, the Russian troops invaded the territory known as Ukraine. They've allegedly overseen a vote of the eastern states or provinces or whatever you call them uh, in Ukraine, the eastern areas that border Russia, have allegedly voted to join Russia, to essentially secede from Ukraine and become part of Russia. In like 2014? No, no, that happened uh, last year. Oh. Yep. Um, and it was like 90-something percent voting in favor of joining Russia? Around about there. But it, you're thinking of a different vote that did happen also in 2014, uh, Bonnie, and I'm not sure in which areas it was. I don't know if it was all of the areas of the, on the eastern side in 2014, if it was just the Donbass, uh, but there was a vote in 2014 as well. But there was a more recent one. And, of course, the Western media uh, poo-pooed it. They said, oh, well, no, this isn't a legitimate vote. And rather than actually like going in and sending in third-party observers to make sure that the vote was legitimate, they just simply said, nope, there's no way that this could be legitimate, so therefore we're just going to keep going to war in these uh, these provinces where we've uh, been dropping bombs for the last seven years. Who, the Ukrainian? The Ukrainian government. Okay, so the yep. Western Well, the Western media. media reporting essentially what the Ukrainian government's position was, which was that the vote was not legitimate, even though a lot of people that live in those areas are Russian-speaking natives. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, how could we possibly know, right? We have to take someone's word for it. I'm not there. I've never been there. I'm never going to go there. I don't know anyone there. All I can do is trust what the media tells me about it. Unfortunately, I have no reason to trust anything the media says about anything because they always lie. And they're probably lying about this, but that the Russian government is also constantly lying. And it, it's... This whole situation asks me to choose a side between two sides, both of which are filled with evil liars, and Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested in doing that. The idea that Ukraine is going to be able to turn this fight around, not only push the Russians out of Ukraine entirely, which, by the way, apparently they're recruiting another half a million troops, allegedly, to make a spring offensive in Ukraine, so, like, Russia ain't done— with this whole thing. Wait, Russia but, is recruiting half a million correct. more troops? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they're uh, if they're forcing them in. I think they've they've done some of that. They've been 
uh, conscripting troops over time. So well, that's Russia's not good. the good guy. Okay, neither is Ukraine. Right. But this security chief in Ukraine is saying he thinks this will end with Ukraine tanks in Moscow. Moscow isn't across the border from Ukraine. No. Okay, it's a ways into Russia. So he's saying he believes that they are not only going to be able to completely repel the Russian invasion into Ukraine, turn them around, send them home, but not only repel them, but entirely crush them to the point where Ukraine will then be able to counter-invade into Russia. Are we sure he's not just like, you know, saber-rattling or trying to bolster the resolve of people in Ukraine? Could be. It could just be tough talk. Yeah, I I imagine it is. It it can't be realistic to think that Ukraine is going to seriously invade Russia. He can't really believe that. doesn't seem very realistic to me either. Imagine trying to, like, take over the people that live in the north of Russia. It's like a football coach, you know, trying to rally his team together. Yeah, I mean, look— Kiev, I just did a handy little Google Maps here. Kiev is about an 11 and a half hour drive from Moscow. So, I mean, Moscow isn't the furthest away for the the rest of Russia. It certainly is on the western side of Russia. But this isn't just some short jaunt, you know, right across the border to uh, drop your tanks off for a photo op in Moscow. And you're talking about invading the most populated city in Russia, I mean, this isn't somebody who is talking about peace. We've already known the Ukrainian side of things has been to refuse Russian attempts at peace talks. Yeah. Putin has said, hey, let's let's sit down. Let's talk about how to end this thing. And they're like, nope, there's there's no peace talks here. So not only are they not talking about peace, they're saying they're going to end up with tanks in Moscow. Again, could just be tough talk, but a lot of people are going to see that as a threat. Sure. And they uh, should. Putin. We'll probably see that as right. a threat. And that's probably going to factor into his meeting with the whoever it is from China. Mm-hmm. I, I sincerely doubt that China is going to allow that to happen without actually sending actual armed forces to back up Russia. Russia is their ally. Oleski Danilov, Kiev's National Security and Defense Council boss, called Vladimir Putin Hitler's twin as he reiterated Ukraine's ambition to expel all Russian troops from its soil, including from Crimea, which was annexed by Moscow in 2014. So they're just both calling each other Nazis now? Mm-hmm. The security boss previously warned the bloodiest battles are yet to come within the next few months in what will be a defining moment of the war. Amid warnings, the Russian president will soon launch a new offensive in the east of Ukraine to take control of, at the very least, Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporozhye, and Kherson, which are the four regions that voted for independence from Ukraine and to join Russia. In his latest comments, Danilov vowed that Ukraine would get justice for the thousands of civilians who have been killed since Putin ordered his forces across the border February 24th of last year. Over the weekend, or specifically yesterday, there was a a decently sized, I don't know, small, if you think about some of the world protests, and it, it wasn't more than a few thousand people, basically, but... That's still not terrible. It wasn't a few dozen people uh, in uh, protest in Washington, D.C. Bonnie and I watched some of this uh, on a good amount of it, I would say, on Sunday. They had uh, speakers from both the left and the libertarians. Uh, There was a group called the People's Choice Party, I believe is their name. People's Party. No one from the right, sadly. Uh, Presumably because the right is pro-war. There must have been right people because... uh Jimmy Dore made a comment. He was like, this is what the establishment is afraid of. They're afraid of 
the left, the right, and the middle coming together against a common enemy, which is war. So there must have been right-leaning people there. I just don't know. I I don't know who all the speakers were that were there, yeah. but they had Ron Paul. Awesome. Oh, wait, well, isn't, Tulsi, always, isn't Tulsi a Republican now? I don't think she's officially joined the Republicans. I believe she simply resigned from the Democrats. Oh, well, she took that video where she was shooting a gun, so... Yeah, she seems to be pandering to the right. At she this hung point. out with Don Bolduc. She did endorse Don Bolduc, who was a Republican general that ran for U.S. Senate here in New Hampshire. So, I mean, she's certainly pandering to the right. I don't know if she's gone so far as to actually join the Republicans at this she point. She could so do she better with the Libertarian Party, but not if she's in, in, you know, embracing people like Don Bolduc. Well, she wouldn't do better with the Libertarian Party. I mean, no Libertarian is going to win an election in the United States. I didn't States. say she would win. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> she, she, she's got elected as a Democrat, and she's not even going to come close yeah. as uh, as a Libertarian. Philosophically so she, and as a moral person, she would do better siding with the Libertarians than the Republicans. Yeah, I don't know what her plan is. Uh, I guess we'll probably find out within the next year if she's going to sign up for one party or another and and make a run for 2024, set her sights on president again or whatever. And I don't really care. But uh, but she was there and gave a, gave a speech, and it was fine. Uh, Jimmy Dore, who I'd never heard previously, but I guess he's a comedian. He was pretty funny. He had some yeah, he was great. good lines. I followed him on Twitter. Oh, cool. And uh, I considered actually playing the speech. I just don't remember if it had profanity in it, so I didn't have a chance yeah. to re- re-review it. We, we listened to it live uh, as it was happening. They had, I don't know, maybe like at least a dozen uh, speakers that were there, and it was very anti-war. A lot of the critiques of the event were really petty. There were people in the libertarian movement who've been attacking this event. I suspect the same thing's true on the left, because you know people in the these political movements just love to fight with one another over stupid crap. They do. Isn't it amazing yeah. that they can't work together? They have to nitpick one another and... Well, that was one of the nitpicks is that, oh, you shouldn't be working with the commies. Yeah, that's what literally I, I commented that the outrage was ridiculous about this and that the speeches were really good and, you know, yeah. somebody on Twitter immediately said to me, like, if you don't understand the problem with working with commies, then you're a lost cause. Something like that. I was like, just Read some it. anonymous guy, by the way, on the internet. If they want know? to make the world a better place with more peace, I will work with anyone. That's how I feel about it, right? Like, okay, we're going to disagree on universal health care, and we're going to disagree on some other issues, and on those issues, we're going to be against one another. But if it comes down to these other issues where we agree, let's lock hand in hand and move this thing forward however we possibly can. And that's exactly what the Libertarian Party did here. And I, I think I said today uh, that this was the most... I would say impressive thing I've seen the Libertarian Party do in a long time. I, I don't remember if they've ever put anything like this together in the past. It, it does not strike my memory if they have done so. Usually, the they National just, Libertarian Party yeah, actually national, put this together. I mean, this they was were the like co-organizer. This, they, if you go to the Rage Against the War Machine website, which is RageAgainstWar.com. I mean, they named themselves after a communist band. I mean, they. they they had to have known they were going to appeal to communists with this, right? Well, they were in contact with and uh, in coalition with the People's Party. So the two main organizers of this were the Libertarian Party and the People's Party. And the People's Party... Definitely communist. Sounds communist. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, I don't have their... I did actually pull up their about page here. So It the, could only be more communist if they called themselves the People's Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, so they're not the Green Party, and I'm not really sure... You know what the difference is uh, between them and the Green Party. I believe there is actually a frequently asked questions here where they they may address that. Yeah. Okay. So here it is. Why not join the Green Party? Right. Because they've, they've been around for a while. In fact, 
Uh, Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein was one of the speakers, and we tuned into sort of half of her speech. Yeah, I didn't I hear it seemed fine. much from it. Uh, again, you but know, the Green Party is not explicitly communist, are they? There's no, a lot but, of strong overlap, but they're an environmentalist party above everything else. But the old joke is, uh, you know, you cut open a green and they're red inside. Mike is on the line outside New York City. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. Hello, Facebook Live. What's up? Welcome, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Um, so, so maybe one of you guys could advise me. I want to finally make the move to New Hampshire. It's been really a long time coming for me. Um, right on. But I kind of want to do it in a step process because I don't know exactly where I want to settle. Um, okay. But my first, my first goal was just to basically um, register my vehicle in the state. Mm. Um, and I looked into that, and basically they want, like, residency, some sort of a proof of residency. But I don't know, like I said, exactly where I want to settle. Why is that so, your first goal? He's from New York. Uh, well, because <laughs> one of the reasons why I want to move to New Hampshire is because of cost. New York is just in, in pure insanity. What is it like to register a vehicle in New York? Everything's done through the DMV. Um, you, know, you go there, wait online, but basically it is a one-stop. Frustrating as it is, it is a one-stop. But it seems like in New Hampshire, the registration is done through a local clerk's office. It is. But what does it cost then, in oh, New York to register a car? Oh, <laughs> um, what is it, like $200, $175, something like that? Is it a flat fee there, or are you? do you pay based on the age of the car? No, it's a flat fee. I think it's like you may be better off money. in uh, registering a car in New York, depending on the age of your car. Do you drive an old car or a new car? Uh, it's newer. Uh, okay. See, I don't know because I have never registered a car in New Hampshire in the 15, 16 years that I've lived here. <laughs> um, I know that there is a per there's a fee in New Hampshire based on how new your car is. So older cars don't cost as much to register. Newer cars cost more. Now, I don't know what the range is. I don't know what the top dollar is. That seems so backwards. Shouldn't an older car be more dangerous? They just know the newer car people have more money, I think. So they wow. hit them up for, uh, yeah, for more yeah, money. Yeah, so they can so, well, it's a tax, right? The more is. your car is worth, the more you're supposed to pay in taxes. I think that's the way it seems. So that might be something you'll want to ask some New Hampshire people who have actually registered cars here. Uh, Arya, have you ever done it? Yeah, I've got two cars registered here. I mean, it's, it's not as cheap as Mississippi registration what was it do you remember i don't remember it's like a hundred bucks a year something like that But you got kind of like a 10 year old car right like it's uh, yeah the eclipse new. is like 20 years old yeah and that's the one i remember the most it was like Sunny. 150 175 dollars in texas i know that it was like oh my god i need to like work every single day for the next couple of weeks because of this bull crap but like, dude, why, why do you even care about what has the government done to you where like this is one of your this is like your number one goal is to Wait. register your car in this state mike aren't you the one that uh maybe i'm I mixing you up with to, somebody but, but are you aren't you the one that wanted to move here in your van no okay. although that's not a bad idea but no it's not a bad idea what how old's your car uh so it's a year old just one year okay so. okay uh there are people that are, are registering their cars outside of new hampshire under like corporate Titles uh, in states like Montana, for instance, where there's a flat fee and you can, once the car is 11 years old or older, you can do a, what they call a permanent registration in oh, Montana. Yeah, where, you can't do that with new cars. Correct. Where uh, you, you register at one time and then you never have to, to renew it. Here's what I would say. Uh, unless your registration is imminently coming up in New York, 
I would just leave it as I would leave it as is, and then you can kind of figure out what your options are once you get here. I'm guessing the reason why you want to do that is you just kind of you hate you just don't like being in New York, and so you want to kind of rid yourself step by step of as many New yeah. York related things yeah. as possible. Yes, I want to opt out, basically opt out. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the automobile insurance, the uh, registration is coming up, I think, in July or something. So this is the process where I want to begin this stuff, the process of opting out of all the nonsense here. Look yeah. What's, I guess the, a more important question is, you said you were concerned with where to move. So the obvious question is, have you come up to New Hampshire for a visit yet? Um, I have. That was a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was visiting a friend. Um, but I really didn't have an opportunity to see the state. Um, so you should do that. I know I need more time. Yeah, you should do that. I mean, the nice thing about being in the New York area is it's only a four-hour drive from you know the outside of the city to hop on up here to New Hampshire for a weekend or for you know however long that uh, that you can spend. When I moved here, I just moved sight unseen. I just bought a house remotely from uh, from Florida. <laughs> And I said, this is where I want to be. I just, I'm coming up. But you're so and close to, even like, you're probably closest to Keene as far as cities. I mean, I, I would think so. I can't really think of a map on the top of my head, but it seems like you're closest to Keene. It's, and, uh, you know, somewhat convenient. It's really not that much further. If you're coming from New York City, if you're going to drive up 91 versus 95, it's basically the same amount of time because you're on an interstate pretty much the whole way up. Yeah. So you're almost, even though you're quote-unquote closer to Keene, mm-hmm. you're not really that much further away from Manchester, Manchester. or even the seacoast. Well, in Keene, we so. have meetups every single Sunday. In Manchester, they have meetups every single Tuesday, right? They've got uh, the crypto meetups on Sunday in Manchester as well. So they've got multiple meetups per week. There's so much to do up here. Uh, Mike, do you have any other questions we can help you with tonight? Um, no, I mean, that, that was, that was pretty much it, but it definitely seems like a very interesting community, like guys that people that are into different things, uh, there's always meetups, um, people who are like-minded in the, to me in the sense that they, they just ha- are sick and tired and they want to opt out. They don't want to deal with the nonsense anymore. There's a lot of that. Uh, and I would recommend checking out the, uh, Free State Project Discord. If you are online at all, there's a lot of, uh, people in there who are here in New Hampshire. They'll field your questions. Uh, you can ask about car registrations or what other people are doing. You know, you're registered in Montana. How do you go about doing things like that? Uh, there's people that'll, you know, that can kind of help you out with uh, with those options. But I would say, I think- you know, figure out all the technicals later as far okay. as getting a license and and doing all that stuff, and just plan. You know, how do you get out? Are you going to sell some of your stuff first before you make the move? Do you need to rent a, a moving truck? You know, just kind of get all that stuff settled down so you feel comfortable about you know getting out of there that place you, you'll feel oh, great yeah. it's, it, it's just me my dog and my guns and some clothes that's it i got nothing don't want nothing don't need nothing well if you're a gun guy in new york you're gonna feel like it's a whole new world moving up here uh matt roach is one of our co-hosts on thursday night he moved here from the rochester area and he's like it's like just a completely different place as far as gun freedoms are are concerned you can open carry in New Hampshire without government permission. You can conceal carry in New Hampshire without government permission. I mean, I think uh, you should watch the new Free State documentary on NBC. It's free to watch online. I think Ian knows the URL, but oh. that's like the new 101 Reasons. It's I so good. Quite, I uh, don't think so at this you know? point. Uh, maybe it will be at some point, but it's NBCBoston.com 
slash free state. I will put it out there on our uh, social media over at social.freetalklive.com. We might actually play one of the episodes tonight and do a little commentary on it. But I haven't seen it yet, so that'd be good. Yeah, it's a seven-part series so far. It's going to be 11 parts in total, and they, they released seven of them today. Uh, so once again, NBCBoston.com slash free state. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that. That sounds awesome. Oh, this is David. Hey, I'm David. California. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I heard you talking about uh, the Ukraine. I don't know if you're aware of it. If you look up Wikipedia, it says that 25% of the world's topsoil is in Ukraine. So it's definitely related. Uh, well, if you think about the um, the ancient ice age, um, when the ice age was going on, when it melted, it basically dropped tonnage of topsoil up in there. Huh. And um, they call it like Europe's breadbasket or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, in America here, the <clears throat> if you look at the Missouri River. That was the bottom edge of the ice cap. And so everything north of the Missouri River, up in Iowa, northern Missouri, uh, Nebraska, whatnot, super topsoil, million, multiple million dollars an acre. Because it, they used to, I, when I was a kid, they had eight feet of topsoil. So when you start looking at the food prices um, and, and the idea of somebody capturing 25% of the world's topsoil, and uh, people that uh, like oligarchs that have no duty to care. And when it comes to duty to care, a government is supposed to look out for its people. And when you get uh, oligarchs, they don't even pretend to look out for the people. They got theirs and screw you. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> that's what this is all about. Uh, and you, when you start talking about the death, excuse me, uh, death count of uh you know, the casualty list in Russia. In the Vietnam War, uh, we lost 57,000 people in probably 20 years, from 1946 to, what, 1974 or so. And in Russia, in the Ukraine, Russians have lost over 150,000 people in one year's time. And where did those numbers come from? Their own casualty count. The Russians. 150,000. Casualty okay. doesn't so, mean death. That's true as well. Yeah. 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 Well, they're apparently just dragging people out of prisons, putting a uniform on them, not even giving them any training, sending them out uh, to get killed. And yeah. So, well, I got to tell you, man, if I was in prison for whatever, especially Russia, where they have a lot of political prisoners or the United States, where there are a lot of political prisoners and they came to me and said, hey, look. We'll give you your freedom, but you got to go fight in this war instead. You'll probably die. You might not, but then you'll be free if you live. According to a Wall Street Journal article from three days ago, this is a number coming from the U.K. Defense Ministry. So it's not coming from the Russians. Uh, They estimate that, as you say, David, more than 200,000 soldiers have been killed or wounded. And they say the death toll from Ukraine war is as high as 60,000. But I think that includes both sides. No, I'm sorry, Russia's death toll from, uh, from Ukraine. Well, to get back to the breadbasket thing, I feel like it's kind of scary if that's true. If it's 25% of the world's soil, it's kind of scary for it to be in the hands of these Russian, um, you know, gangs or the Ukrainian goons, thugs, tyrants, and parasites because none of them care about the people that they're ruling. I mean, the Ukrainian one, he kicked out the opposition as soon as he got, you know, the okay from 
the United States, that they're going to back everything he does. He banned speaking Russian. He doesn't care about these people. Like, most of them speak Russian. I mean, at least in the West. Like, always have. Speak it in their homes. Speak it together. Sydney is in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sydney. Oh, hey, everybody. I wanted to join the discussion about this Rage Against the War Machine rally that they had in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I first heard about it on Free Talk Live a couple of weeks ago. Otherwise, I don't think I would have. Sydney? Anything about it. Can you hear me okay? You cut out there. Uh, you said, I don't think I would have. Oh. And then. I don't think I would have heard about it uh, okay. if it weren't for Free Talk Live. And after the event today, I was looking just through the headlines, and there's really no coverage, no coverage. of it at all. RT yeah, covered no coverage. it. Uh, I will point that out. They did have a live stream on RT.com. Oh, man, America is so screwed. Doesn't make the, you know, conspiracy theories about it any better. Well, what's that no, thing? It they there was some one of the things that people were upset about was because the Libertarian Party invited someone who wasn't necessarily pro peace. They were, they they were accused of being a Russian apologist, whatever that whatever that means. And I don't know if that's true or not, but you know that's the that's the way you're painted. If you're an advocate of peace in this conflict, you're a Russian apologist or a Putin apologist or whatever. I saw some of his tweets. It was really weird. He was just straight up like, "Go Russia." I hope Russia wins. Let who else is team Russia? So- I, as I understand it, I thought there was a difference with this guy as well, where he wasn't just a peacemonger and he was actively pro-Russia. But like, if he still wants to look, I don't care if he doesn't want there to be a war in Ukraine. I don't care if he wants to yeah, yeah, fallate Putin. I don't, it doesn't make a difference to me. But he did get kicked out, right, Ian? Uh, so there was some controversy over one particular guy who was the former. UN weapons inspector like 20 years ago. His name was Scott Ritter. And there was a couple different uh, people who were, there was a couple objections to him. One is he wasn't explicitly anti-war. And two, people kept accusing him of being a pedophile, which was completely, from what I can tell, false. I also don't Uh, care. I I don't care if he's a pedophile. I don't care if he's not anti-war. Is he against the war that is literally happening right now? Yes, I believe he would have been against this this current war. That, to me, is more important. I would rather have someone who's there who is principled anti-war, but if they just are against this particular war... That's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree with you on that one, Aria. I wouldn't have cared whether or not, you know... I would care if he was a pedophile, but he wasn't a pedophile. No, he like got convicted po- of the police pretending to be a 16 year old girl, and then he got caught. So it's not pedophilia yeah. by definition. And it was a it was a grown person that he was you know sexting. It was with an undercover whatever. police officer, right? But definitely yeah. not a 16 year old. Correct. But so in the New crime Hampshire, there is imaginary. Legal. In New Hampshire, there's no crime there at all. True. Uh, so I wouldn't I mean, do it, but it's no crime. It's not uh, by definition not a pedophile because a 16 year old is not a child. 16-year-old is someone who's well, guys, gone through. Regardless, I think regardless of this guy, um, I, one thing that I really liked about this protest was that they brought a lot, the Libertarian Party, I guess, brought a lot of speakers from all different parts of the spectrum, you know, from far left to, you know, some right Well, it wasn't just also. the Libertarian Party that was organizing it. They were in, uh, in tandem with the People's Party, which would have been the people that probably recruited the, the far left uh, speakers yeah. that you're referring to. Jill Stein, for instance, uh, the comedian yeah. guy. Uh, what was the name? Yeah, Jimmy Dore. And it was really yeah, entertaining. Jimmy Dore had a lot negative to say about the left, which I thought was very, uh, it was helpful to hear because there were a lot of left people there, which is totally fine with me. I thought it was great that it was sort of like a big tent event, which I personally don't really like those. But in this case for anti-war, I think Tulsi Gabbard made a good point that uh, this is like our lives. If nuclear war breaks out on Earth, 
this is our live. So, you know, let's get together at least for this one thing. Um, and then, you know, we can disagree, you know, tomorrow. Uh, so I thought it was a really good event. Uh, I happened to just listen to the audio stream from like the speakers um, podium. And uh, I thought it was good. They were, uh, it, it didn't seem like the energy was very high, but a few people brought the energy and Ron Paul kind of peaked it at the end and made a lot of really good points. The same points that he's been making for years. You know, people were chanting, uh, end the Fed, and he made a very good point that if it weren't for the Fed, mm -hmm. these types of wars would be very unlikely to happen because you just can't afford them. I mean, when I first saw this event, I thought, oh, well, the Libertarian Party must be one of the minor organizers of it. No, no, no. They are the top organizer in tandem with the People's Party. It's listed on the site. Libertarian Party, organizer. People's Party, organizer. And then they have sponsors. Nice to see That's the it. People's Party is that good. I mean, I don't know anything else about them. Well, they're good on uh, the war issue, apparently. I don't know what else they're really that great on here, but we do have their website. I've got it pulled up. It's peoplesparty.org for people that are on the left. If you're sick and tired of the Democrats, uh, this might be a home for you. And here is their case for the People's Party. They say polls show that the large majority of Americans are progressive, and almost two out of three Americans are now calling for a new major party. Their number is even greater among young people and poor people. Why? We want what regular people take for granted in so many other countries. Single-payer health care, free public college, money out of politics, an infrastructure jobs program, a $15 minimum wage, financial regulations, and more. Okay, you. Yeah, so they're total Yeah, I mean, it's what leftist. I expected. Yeah, but, I mean, total leftist. Cool. And, you know, and they, if they want their little society to have those things, I'm fine with it. You know, whatever. Just make sure it's voluntary. They say, we deserve these good things. If other countries can deliver these things, we know the richest nation on earth can too. What's in the way is not our ability. It's the oligarchs who are making so much money and building so much power from the current system. They don't want things to change. The money has corrupted both major parties. The oligarchs have, as writer Tedarose Fikra put it, Quote, turned America into a nation of Aspen for the rich and Appalachia for the poor and working class. They then go yeah. on to... I agree with everything they just said. I don't think their solution is right, but they're correctly identifying the problems, yeah. which is the American oligarchs and the fact that like 10 corporations own everything in the United States. Those are the issues. And that's the kind of attitude people should have about people they disagree with. It's, it's just, you know, instead of just... They're, they're commies. You can't work with them. It's better to focus on the things that you do agree with them on and work with them on what you can. And separate when you absolutely can't agree. Like, okay, you guys should go make a, you know, People's Party state project. Absolutely. Somewhere. Move out to Oregon the heck or else, something. Though, but... Hell, do it next door in Vermont, man. Let's let's yeah. have some Liberty Brotherhood over here. You have your communist libertarian society that's pro-peace. We'll have our... Free market voluntarist society that's pro That's fine with and me, yeah. We can just be right here in the middle of New England having our own little happy world, right? Actually, that would be great because like, if we could agree you to trade... You can have trade, all our communists. I don't know if the tr communists do trading at all, but if they would... Well, if they can actually produce something, hmm. in theory, they could trade it. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, we could, we could do starving. trade with them whenever we secede and people can't say, oh, we'll, we'll have nobody to uh, you know, trade with. But that's that aside, you know, you know, smash the oligarchs, smash the state, the control machine with the military industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, let's do it, guys. I'm with you. We the people. Right. Whatever. People's party. Whatever. Let's do it. Let's uh, get Sam on the line. He's in Ohio. Go ahead, Sam. 
Yeah, I was just curious, this whole idea that as citizens we have to follow the laws that I keep coming in contact with whenever I bring up the idea of uh disobeying laws in any way and basically I know you've talked about how citizen that whole subject ties into the social contract and what you've explained about that before mm-hmm. w- was that a question uh, yeah I thought there was a question no. coming oh sorry so like how do you deal with that I guess deal with uh, people opposing the idea of civil disobedience or breaking breaking laws people in general saying that- civil disobedience in terms of the fact of that they think the show, social contract works in terms of forcing people to do things they don't want to do. I moved to New Hampshire so I could be around more like-minded people. Yeah, I mean, we can argue with people all day long, and you know, you're not going to win people over there in Ohio, and it's never going to result in any sort of meaningful change. But ultimately, it's a question of, it's just an arbitrary decree made by some some tyrant who says you must do this thing, and people have decided that if you don't do these things, you're, then you're being immoral. They, they've conflated the two concepts where breaking the law is immoral, and that's not necessarily the case. Like, there's a stop sign right outside the studio here that people, you know, just speed past all day, every day. All the time, yeah. And it's illegal to do that, but there's nothing immoral about it. It's not a matter of good and evil or right and wrong. It's a matter of whether or not you've been told to do something. And this idea oh, so that anything that is... Immorality. Right. This idea that you have to obey in order to be moral, that's that's just an argument that ultimately stems from Western religion and Christianity and God's decrees of obey me or be punished. We get taught in public education that the laws come about. How how do they make a bill? And I just watched in the camera somebody going past that stop sign, by the way. But, um, but, you know, how does a bill become a law? You know, they really ingrained in your to your head that it is you know a good moral thing like it's so great that we have this system thank god we have this system it's the best in the world yeah people are of two mindsets though right so on one hand they have this mindset that bonnie's talking about that oh well it's a nation of laws we have to follow the laws if you don't agree with the laws you have to change try to change the laws but then that, that same day they're going to blow through a stop sign right so like it's whatever's convenient uh, in the moment, and the brainwashing really goes a long way with these people. I mean, arguably, that's why so much, so few of us have succeeded in front of juries, for instance, because even though we're in the moral right, and we may even be in the legal right, the uh, the brainwashing of the government school system is so powerful over people. And it's insane to act like, you know, we can just change the law. Like, the law is just something that I can just arbitrarily, you know, just decide I want to change. I don't agree with this stop sign law. I'm just going to change the law. Good luck. Yeah, that's a monumental understanding. Even something as simple and obvious as this stupid stop sign outside the studio that thousands of people, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of people run every single day. Something simple like that here in this little town of 23,000 people. You would think we could get that sign pulled down you'd have but to spend thousands thousands of dollars and hours, and hours. yeah just so people know it's a useless three-way stop sign there should be one stop sign where it is intersected and then the other two stop signs should be taken away so people That's can just keep going it should be a yield sign if anything at all ricky is on the line in pennsylvania go ahead ricky thank you there brother ian sister ari and sister body good evening what's on your mind well, you know Huh? What's on your mind, Ricky? Sure. Well, to the, today's present day so got me thinking. You know, every year I hear about Abraham Lincoln. Now, luckily, I heard very little today. See, it kind of goes like this, Ian. 
You know, Abraham Lincoln, in all actuality, was a sorry, tyrannical, emancipating son of a bitch. And, what, and That's why, right. why? Yeah, why do I say this? You know, because it goes like this. We'll start from the very beginning. We'll start with a lie. Everybody hated Lincoln. Lincoln was not like, you know. And what does he start with? The lie. Oh, it's all good. Don't worry. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, this slavery thing. Oh, it's good. It's good for the economy. We're going to be fine, you know. Well, that didn't last. What happens? He had very little tools at his disposal, but he had what tools he did have. And that's what was left to him by Jefferson. It wasn't much, but he used it. First thing he did, puts a 40% uh, tax embargo on the South. So what does he do? He cripples the South's economy and kills the economy to a great extent in the North. Wonderful. Then what does he do? Well, he continues on, pushes into the war. South gets favors. We'll get to jump on it. The war's on. He didn't care about any of the states' rights. No, no, what he didn't. He, didn't. What he, he also didn't care about the slaves. Yeah, here's a quote from him oh, about the slaves. This is what he said about the slaves. Oh, quote, I oh, am not. Better. It, oh, I'm sorry. Here's, here's his quote about the slaves. Quote, I am not, nor ha- have I ever been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. Well, it gets even better than that, because what he ended up doing, you know, just keep rolling on. And, you know, he comes by the time of 1863, now he comes out with his, his emancipation proclamation. And see, what it really came down to is he didn't know what to do. He wanted the land. The CSA was there. This was a tool. And he could, but he couldn't do anything about it. So what it came down to, eventually the war ended. So what does he do? Now, what's the goal here? Would he end up having? Well, all this, the, now the complete economy is obliterated on a scale that nobody ever, has ever seen before or after. And what you have is people that are homeless. You know, people have no work. And what you have is people, oh, get out. You live here, you're gone now. Go out, get a job. Yep. Let's talk to Chuck. He's in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. I think uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, contradicted himself more than the Bible has, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you. If you really get into, like, the uh, quotes and what people like to throw up for their political convenience, you know Right, because I just said that one, and I know that there's someone out there who, if they heard that, they'd be like, well, he later he said this. It's like, okay, but he also said this. It's like, obviously he was just doing what was politically expedient for him, but this is clearly what he really thought. I mean, he wrote about how the black people should not be, before he got elected president, he wrote about how black people should not be uh, slaves anymore, but they should be shipped out because they shouldn't be mixed with white people. Didn't he also say something like... And they're like, taking our jobs, basically. That's I don't have it in front of me, but didn't he also say something like, if I could keep the union together by freeing blacks, I will do it, and if I can keep the union together and keeping them keeping blacks enslaved, I'll do it. Like He just right. didn't yep. care about the blacks. They were just a tool uh, to him. And I mean, it's certainly fair to say that people's opinions yeah. change. I don't believe the same thing I did five years ago. Maybe... Or 10 years ago. Maybe I believe the same thing today that I did two years ago. Yeah, but are tyrants people? Well, they, they probably once were, right? So I'm, I'm going to allow him the, the opportunity to change his mind and say, you know what? I used to not be pro-slavery, but now, now I mean pro-liberation. 
Now I'm I'm pro liberation. Emancipate uh, everyone. But did, I never did, even saw a quote like that. But it, yeah, that doesn't seem to be the case. And it does seem, based on the quotes that I've seen, that his primary goal above all else was to keep the union together. That is true. And the thing is, you can't trust a politician to say they've changed their mind and be honest about it, right? Did did Ron DeSantis, <laughs> the uh, the current governor of Florida? <laughs> actually change his mind about covid or did he just see it as a political move if it was a political move it was smart on his part it was but it was a political move yeah, i think it was thanks but it uh, was really smart on his part to be that one governor to get ahead of the pack that far ahead of yeah. the pack that technically he was behind the pack because the uh, south dakota lady was way ahead of him oh really well he yeah. eclipsed her he did because he's you know in Florida, and yeah, there's like an S-ton more people live there, so it's more And they already had the relevant. reputation of being the second free state for some reason. And no, people, that, that all came about during COVID. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Okay. People just forgot about the first, I don't know, 10 months of tyranny in Texas, and they act like, oh, Texas, Texas is so free because they were like the second state to just say no more masks in our state. As I understand it from my sister, Mississippi never had a mask mandate. Wow. But- Everyone else, I mean, all the stores did mm, and the and government buildings America. did. But as I understand it, the governor never said, hey, mm. we should do this thing, too. But I don't think they did in New Hampshire, either. Because they're so far behind everything. That's true. New Hampshire, New Hampshire didn't. Hampshire had one. Uh, Chuck, any other comments? Go ahead. I, I do. Uh, could you tell me more about the stop sign that's being monitored and what uh, municipality it's uh, at? Uh, I really think you underestimate the power of people getting pissed off in their local jurisdictions for just little things like this. This very It's actually well very rarely be, monitored. And I have no desire whatsoever. This is like not going to be my issue. Like I think that you should make this uh the uh centerpiece of your issue, a stop sign and uh see where it takes it. Maybe there's a lot of people that get pissed so. off about little things like that. I mean, there probably I mean, are, but to be fair, there's not much monitoring going on. I, don't, I have seen the police monitoring the stop sign in my years here, but it has been some years since I've actually seen it. Uh, and, you know, I'm here every day, so I, I would I notice. I've never seen I, anyone I, pulled over at it. I've seen it happen. Well, uh, but it doesn't. But that's usually following some Karen reporting it, it, right? That is true. Correct. What that, now, Chuck? What you need. You need you need a bunch of Karens out there to get really passionate about the stop sign. No, I want no. everyone to just start ignoring it because it's useless. It doesn't belong there, and that's a lot easier and more effective than just peti- spending the next 10,000 hours of my life and $40,000 petitioning the city government to do it. Yeah, I think that... But that actually, yeah, that actually sounds like something you could put on your campaign piece, Aria. We actually played the first four minutes of the first episode for you a f- couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Oh, when we got the trailer? The trailer, yeah. Okay. So the, the trailer itself is actually the first four minutes of episode one, okay. uh, which is entitled The Manifesto. And uh, so I'm just going to pick it up at about four minutes into the uh, to this episode here. And they actually have, uh, i got to you know, give them a compliment here. They've got, like, custom graphics that they did for this, custom animations. So this is a really nicely put together, you know, there's music here. Uh, I don't know if it's original or they plucked it out of, you know, some music downloading thing. But it sounds great. Yeah. It, it's, it it's looks good. nice. The video is, uh, the quality, the editing, all very, very high quality uh, production. Well, it's NBC. Things. They're one of the major news yeah. organizations in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's And basically Comcast is running the uh, the show over there. So there's a, lot okay. of, there's a lot of money over there. And they did a really fair job, as I think you'll see here. So here it is. Have a good night. Oh, 
So it opens at the Quill in West Manchester, which is a Free Stater club. They're, they're showing some B-roll of, you know, like the outside of the building, people hi, inside. Hi, my name's Julia, and I'm calling with the Free State Project. How are you? Yeah, hi. I'm calling from the Free State Project. Have you come for a visit? Yeah. Um, well, a really good thing is um, Corkfest, So what they're showing here, and uh, you know, you can't, obviously you can't see what's happening, but there's images from inside the Quill, which used to be a very private club. It's now actually open publicly a couple of times a month for like the new movers party uh, that happens every month. I think the first Tuesday of the month there, if you're up in New Hampshire at that time. It's open. You can uh, you can go to this place and you can kind of check it out. But there's, you know, flyers and uh, signage and things like that. Interesting things to kind of look at. But the room is full in this case of people on their cell phones uh, making phone calls, outgoing calls to people who have signed up for the Free State Project. Just to kind of like, hey, you know, we're still here. We haven't seen you move yet. When do you, you know, what are you planning on moving? That kind of thing. I got a call before I moved, after I signed, before I moved mm-hmm. from Peakless Mountaineer. I was like... Wait, 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 is this Peakless Mountaineer? And he was like, yes. So Had I was you like, met him yet? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I met you at the Funky Noodle, or it's, it was oh, okay. called The Keen Great at the time. Right. And he was like, oh, I thought it might be you. I was like, yep, I'm coming. So that was his, the question was just, when are you moving? Yeah, it was, like, it was like, we saw that you signed, and we want to know if there's anything we can help you with. Okay. Yeah, and that's what you know. That's where like our caller earlier from New York would probably ask his questions about like, well, how do I register a car? And they'd get answers. You know, from that. So that's that's what they're showing here. Right about that. There's a lady named Chris Lopez. Um, is now a good time to discuss moving out here to New Hampshire and helping us build liberty in our lifetime? And they feature here Jason Sorens. He's the founder. I came up with this tagline, "Liberty in Our Lifetime." The idea was that maybe we'll actually see a libertarian society, and we can actually see how it works. Showing pictures of him as like a kid. And I just gotta say these little like up close video things they do. They did one of you and Aria and nobody, Mm -hmm. and they just showed Jason Sorens. They're really nice looking. They look noble, and you know they're not portraying us like hicks or monsters. Monsters. Like it looks really nice. Although this dog with the teeth sticking out of his mouth. It's just how the dog looks. He's cute. (laughs) I mean, I've definitely seen over the years, having been here for. 16 years at this point i've seen a lot of the coverage of the free state project and i've certainly seen some slanted coverage especially from like the new york times for instance the worst has just been the crypto six it's like ridiculous the stuff that's come out so far like we talked to that guy from the inquirer wait what was it called not the inquirer that's like a oh yeah intelligent intelligence intelligencer yeah and like he talked to me for a while you know what he printed the only thing that he printed that i said was like I'm a Gemini, so I don't <laughs> like that Gemini, the exchange, sucks so bad. And that, that was just an off thing I said in a conversation. I didn't yeah, think he was interviewing me in that moment. Yeah. He just tried to make me look dumb. Yeah, everything's on the record with those guys. Obviously, a lot worse stuff has come out with the Crypto 6 that they, you know, mostly like MWR people making MWR. stuff. With the, oh, WMUR. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's a local... Uh, TV station. So, yeah, there's definitely been a ton of bias, biased coverage over the years, stuff that has absolutely not been fair, basic facts that they got wrong, that they could have simply checked by making a simple phone call to the person that they'd interviewed. So, like, when somebody actually gets it right, it's a nice, refreshing change. Yeah. But I'm not like some people, like Chris, uh, our Friday night co-host, he won't even do interviews with uh, the media because he just doesn't want them to get something wrong, and he knows that they do often. I'm not of that viewpoint. I'm like... Phew, Fine. Talk to me. Just print my, you know, print my website name correct. 
You know, that's yeah. all I care about because I'm of the viewpoint that even a biased article like you will see in the New York Times, for instance, about the Free State Project, is still going to reach the right people. There's still sure. going to be people who see that. Obviously, there's going to be people who read it and they're like, yeah, screw the Free State Project. Those guys suck. Libertarians suck. Well, we're not trying to recruit those people. We want the people who see these things who are on our side already, the libertarian types that see these reports, to say, whoa, that's pretty interesting. Oh, well, you know, I don't know whether they're telling the truth or not about all the details, but I like the idea at least of the Free State Project, the idea of free to- or of uh, freedom-minded people migrating to the same geographic area. And so that's what I really like about this series from NBC Boston, is it it spends plenty of time. It's not some like little quickie uh, two-minute news package where they you know hit you a couple times with whatever misinformation and then they get somebody in there to attack the free state project which many times has been the case like as the far new as, york times one well new york times isn't going to produce likely video but well, it was an uh, article is what it was. yeah i mean well new york times has had feature length articles but they're very biased That's what in I'm the way that they're yeah. written i was talking about like a two minute long uh news package that's what you would call a video package uh, that, that's the terminology in the the news video industry so normally if there's a report on the free state project it's going to be 30 seconds to two minutes long it's going to be on the nighttime news or whatever yeah. and that's going to be the end of it but this is a at this point seven part series is going to be 11 parts they're around 10 to 15 minutes a piece so when this is all said and done they're going to have a feature length documentary film on their hands and uh, and so there's plenty of opportunity for everyone to get hurt. And that does include the opposition. So and that's one of the things I really actually like about this is they actually got the opposition to talk because normally you can't get these people to go on the record beyond their own websites, beyond their own forum, beyond their own events that they organize. They will not sit down and have a conversation with any of us. And they get incredibly paranoid Whenever anyone from the media wants to talk to them, because they're always worried that the media won't be fair to them. And here she is. This is the big bad in this uh, story. I've been waiting for 14 years for this type of interview. Oh, she sounds awful. I was going to say, I feel bad that we're going to subject our listeners to her laugh, because that's not the only one. She does that over and over and over again. 14 years... How, she's had plenty of opportunities in 14 years to talk about the Free State Project. She's been interviewed a myriad of times. Maybe she's never had a long-form interview. Like, they sat down with me for a couple hours here, uh, maybe two or three hours. So yeah. maybe that's what she's referring to. But she's like, Zandra Rice Hawkins is the this woman's name. And she is the, as you'll learn, uh, the uh, creator or maybe the, the head of, I don't know if she created it, of Granite State Progress. And she's the big, as I said, big bat. She's the one who uh, is focused on the most as far as the opposition. There's several people they will end up interviewing later on that are the opposition, but they keep coming back to this one. So here she is. Ready. (laughs) My name is Zandra Rice Hawkins. I'm the executive director of Granite State Progress. We are fighting for a healthy, just, and inclusive Granite State for everyone. Oh, so the free staters are against health. Uh, the free staters are against inclusivity. inclusivity and just justice. Of course not. I mean, free staters are incredibly inclusive for the most part. From they routinely hand me a microphone for some reason. So, I mean, and they seem trans. to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, she the, the B-roll footage is her of at a... Uh, Never had like a, a Democrat do that. 
Looks like a playground. Can they call you anti-LGBT at the uh, anti-free stater protesting I team? So. I think they called the free staters anti-LGBT. They did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even well, though, yeah. I guess that would have technically included me. As even though anti- LGBT people were there from the Free State Project, not just M- you, probably but- more than what was with them. Obviously, you can't tell by looking at yeah. them if some of these ladies are lesbians. But there was like a bunch of LGBT people there. Our cri- very own Chris Wade. He's he's a gay guy. I think and Bob his was there, yeah. his his partner. So, like, we, I think LGBT at the very least were disproportionately represented amongst the free staters. That's what I'm saying. There. Yeah, There's definitely. Probably a large percentage of them. But anyway, here's Zandra. The B-roll is her and like some kids. Uh, uh, presume her daughter, own kids. Annabelle. Uh, at a, uh, a playground here. <laughs> what the hell is so funny? Park and Conquer. She's having fun with her kids. You know, okay. she's running around on like a playground thing. I would have cut those out. <laughs> Well, they're they're trying to humanize this person, right? You always have to have the B-roll of the person like in their home and doing a thing that they would normally do. They they always do that with us. They're like, oh, can you make some coffee in your kitchen? And then they film that stuff, right? Right. They have to have that. You got me. Are you glad our community has a park? Are you glad our community has a park? Because they wouldn't without me either the yeah. first time. They would never have a park if the free staters were in charge. That's what she... She didn't say that out loud, right. but that's absolutely what Zandra believes. First ch- uh, order of business when we get in power is burn down the parks. <laughs> Ridiculous, but... You can't have one without government. Yeah. We track conservative and extremist movements in the state. So we started to follow the Free State Project... We run Free State Project Watch, which is a resource for people um, to learn a little bit about the background of the Free State Project. Who's doing this with the Libertarian Party? What do you mean? This. Who's got Libertarian Party Watch? Yeah. Oh, okay. No one is. No, because they're they're not doing anything. They're not worth watching. Yeah. They're not winning. They're not doing anything of, of any kind of import. When's the last time mainstream media did a full-length feature documentary, let alone write a single news article of any sort of meaningful length about the things the Libertarian Party is doing? To be fair, we did spend the first, like, hour of this episode talking about a protest that the Libertarian Party had. There used to be a public access channel. It's off the air at this point. It went out. It went under, I guess, for whatever reason and a couple of years ago. But For many multiple bad reasons, as I understand yeah, it. Yeah, it was kind of ugly. But at, uh, in 2015, it was going strong. And there was a local DJ and another lady that he knew who wanted to start a show called Monadnock Showdown. Now, Monadnock is the name of the region that we're in. It's based on a, a mountain. That's what that, that name is. And the idea of the showdown was you'd have these two hosts of the show. And they were kind of like the anchors of the show. And then they would bring in two guests. And it would be kind of like point-counterpoint. So the uh, guests would be on opposite sides of an issue. And so whatever the issue was, right? Like, abolish the stop sign. Yes, no, right? So, like, the two different people would debate and have a discussion with the two hosts. And it would be entertaining if only they could have gotten people to agree to come sit in a room together. They couldn't even get that far? They came to me first because... Freaking is noteworthy, right? Like we've done a lot of, there's been a lot of activism here in the Keene area. And a Parker, who was one of the main hosts, he and I had had some level of contact over the years. He got screwed by the system once upon a time in like a, you know, like a father's rights situation where he got screwed and lost his kids, that kind of thing. Happens a lot with fathers in the United States. Yeah. So I had reported on that some years prior 
on Free Keen. And so that's kind of how I'd, I'd gotten to know him. Plus, he's a DJ, so you know we're in the same industry. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, just kind of pitch me on the idea of the show. Hey, do you want to be on with someone from Stop Free Keen, which was this anti-Free Keen group that had been formed just the year before. So like Stop Free Keen had a lot of momentum. They had a lot of uh, hate that was going on. It's a hate group, basically. You want to talk about hate groups? They absolutely hate free oh, staters. Yeah. They, they did. They hate us so bad. And so I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. Of course. I didn't have to think about it, right? Like, you want to put me on the air? It sure. would be so great. I'm so sad this didn't happen. Yeah. And so what ha- ended up happening was he went to Stop Free Keen, which was a, at that time most noteworthy for having a Facebook group with over 1,500 people in it. <laughs> now, to be fair. The theory is that they just added all their friends to the group because at the time on Facebook, you could just just add in anybody you wanted to a group and it would just automatically put them there. I don't know if it still works that way, but it would just put them there unless they decided to leave. So we figured that most of the 1,500 didn't actually want to be in the group, but regardless, they were in there. There's 1,500 people in, in this group. And so they went to this group and they said, you know, pitched them on the idea, Manadnock Showdown, debate, we're going to have Ian Freeman on. Who do you want to have on? You know, we'll, we'll let you have somebody on from Stop Free Keen. Uh, who do you want? Yeah. And they refused to do it. They, first of all, they like sto- stonewalled him for a while because they had to have their board of directors or whatever. Good Lord. Have a, the committee, <laughs> the committee or whatever. They had to have a meeting and then they had to decide on what to do and what to say. And it's all like centrally controlled, like what you would expect from, you know, total status and so the the stuff free keen admins came back with a, uh, a a missive to the host that said that we're willing to appear on your show but we will not appear on the episode with ian freeman <laughs> we demand that you have us on a separate episode so we can respond to what freeman says afterwards wow. so they said like a freaking can, lawyer they wanted them to have me on by myself on a show called Manadnock Showdown for the first episode. Then they wanted to come on the next week after they had a With a week chance. of, you know, writing, yeah. thinking <laughs> as hard as they could, Googling things. <laughs> right. So then, And they wanted to be on alone, and I think with more than one of them, uh, if I recall correctly, on this show. Because they didn't trust the people running Manadnock Showdown. Because they <laughs> did their research, and they found that I had written an article about Parker, the guy that was... One of the hosts on the show six years before or something like that. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.